the chorus. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Hello, Nats Town. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by the District Sports page and FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington from Federal Baseball. I've got Doghouse from Federal Baseball on the line. Dave Nichols apparently fell asleep. He should be here in a second from the District Sports page. He told us he was calling in, but we'll see what happens. Doghouse, I know you're at the game. Joe Ross makes his MLB debut, 95-mile-an-hour strike from his first pitch. Comes up after a 2.81 ERA, 2.84 FIP, 9.47 K per nine, and nine starts at Double A Harrisburg. Rizzo said yesterday he saw Ross as a power right-hander, an elite prospect, and a potential front line, front of the rotation guy going forward in the future. But I really liked from him today: fastball 94-96, mixed in a change and a slider, pitching inside, which no one does anymore. Back in a few Cubs off the plate, and he seemed to have good command. So I assume he was doing it on purpose and not just losing it inside. So I like that. Nine up and nine down to start, but three straight singles to start the fourth inning. Fowler scores on a uh, Chris Bryant single, one nothing at that point, one to one at that point. I'm sorry, they tie it back out. Two out RBI single by Fowler in the fifth, RBI double by Rizzo, three to one Cubs at that point. He ends up throwing 50 pitches in the fourth and fifth inning. They got to him a little bit of the second and third time around. Uh, ends up going five innings, six hits, three runs. 4Ks, no walks, which is good to see from a debuting right-hander. 91 pitches, 58 strikes on the day. Solid debut for Joe Ross here. 22-year-old coming up from Double A. You can't really ask for any more from him. No, if, if we're looking at sort of the, the merry-go-round of minor league pitchers who have been coming up and, and making their debuts with varying amounts of success here so far this season, certainly uh, uh, Joe Ross has, has done, done pretty well here today. Uh, he came out, he pitched confidently. We saw a lot of different pitches out of him uh, as he went to the first time through the order, and I think that may have actually been uh, something of a weakness for him in that uh, while he got a lot of outs and he kept hitters off balance, he sort of showed his whole arsenal early. And, uh, you know, you, you can debate the amount to which you want to try and use just one or two pitches and keep something that the hitters haven't seen for subsequent times through the order. Uh, we maybe saw the flip side of that. Uh, from the Cubs with uh, – sorry, I'm blanking right now Try, – trying to pitch uh, mainly off his fastball and giving up some hard contact, but then settling down and adding a little bit more variety to his repertoire as he uh, almost got a complete game there against the Nats. But uh, Ross, I think, certainly looked promising. And I, I know I railed the last time I was on the show about, you know, the Nats finding someone and sticking with him while they're sort of in this extended fill-in period instead of just whipping people back up and down from uh, – in the minors all the time, Ross could certainly be that guy. You know, we, we'd have to see how he looked uh, on, on a second outing, if he was able to, to keep mixing pitches, changing speeds. Uh, his velocity was down a little bit in the fourth and the fifth, but uh, I, I wasn't looking at pitch track, so I couldn't tell you exactly, you know, how, how good his stuff looked, you know, from way up in the, in the uh, 300 level. It looked pretty good to me. Uh, but, uh, and there was one other point I wanted to make. Oh, yeah, pitching inside. I noticed that, too, from up there. And I, 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 like you, because I wanted to believe, thought that uh, he, was, he was pitching with confidence and backing people off the plate and using it to set up his pitches away and, uh, and keep, the pitches, uh, keep hitters from, from digging in and feeling comfortable against him. And if he can follow through on that approach and maybe just think a little bit more about his pick selection across the game, you know, we could see uh, 
we we could be seeing the the emergence of someone who's could really be a solid contributor to the rotation. Dave, more than a few people I talked to over the last couple of days kind of were wondering if this was a showcase for him, a potential trade. From what I heard, from what I read, I should say, of what Mike Rizzo had to say yesterday, it doesn't sound like it's me. They seem like they're really high on this kid. I think he's ready for a shot that they gave him right now, at least for a short look up here. He looked good on the mound, really big kid, confident, throwing a hard fastball, mixing in some nice pitches there. I liked what I saw from him in a brief outing where the Cubs kind of got to him the second time around. But what do you think of what you saw of Joe Ross in his debut? Well, not to take anything away from the Taylor brothers, Jordan and Hill, um, but it's easy to see the difference between a legitimate major league prospect um, and and guys that are that are more 4A guys. Um, Ross has got a really nice package. The the big fastball, uh, you know, a, a couple of, of different breaking balls, um, and and just watching him today, he knows how to pitch. Uh, uh, Doghouse mentioned it. You know, he was, he was busting people in, backing people out. Um, you know, using the breaking ball on the outside, uh, trying to stay away from the hitter's strengths. Um, sure, he wore down in the fourth and fifth innings. It's not surprising. He got a lot of adrenaline going in the major league debut, and um, he probably ran out of gas a little early today. Um, but the kid, the kid's got a great pedigree. Obviously, his brother's a major league player too. Um, the Nats thought very highly of him to include him in, in that trade that, that, that brought him and Trey Turner over. So. Um, yeah, a nice showcase for him today. I certainly don't think that they're um, that they're actively shopping him. I mean, I mean, look, he just made his major league debut for the team, so um, you know, it, it's it's not like uh, um, it's not like the, the Nats have so much pitching that they can uh, that they can toss uh, toss away a prospect of his nature like this. But um, you know, uh, just a terrific outing from him today. Um, unfortunately, ran out of, ran out of gas a little bit there in the fourth and fifth innings, but um, but a solid start from a guy that. that that today made his first start above double-A. Doghouse, unfortunately for him, he ran into Jason Hamill today, too, who, regardless of what I think of him as a pitcher, he's having a good year, and he absolutely pones the Nationals so far in his career. 4-2 and two on the year, 2-8-2 two, two ERA, 2-6-7 fifth, 9-2-7 K for 9, 0.90 whip, which leads the majors just ahead of Max Scherzer so far. He's also 8-0 and oh in his career versus the Nats. 3-1-1 ERA, 237-270-370 line against, and 66 and two-thirds innings pitched. He gives up a home run on the first pitch of the second by Wilson Ramos, but pretty much shuts him down until Bryce Harper hit a home run late. Two hits and six innings pitched. This is his eighth straight start where he's given up five hits or less and really kind of dominated the Nationals out there outside of the two big hits by Harper and Ramos. Five hits total, seven Ks, two earned runs, two walks. Ends up throwing 100 pitches. 68 of them for strikes and really kind of shut the Nationals down. Another pitcher that really kept the Nationals offense at bay. Yeah, and I'm not sure really how much it is uh, with his quality as a as a pitcher. I mean, although certainly his, his record speaks for itself, he's having a good season. But uh, it seemed to me like the, the Nats were just coming at him with the wrong approach today. They were uh, a little too aggressive early in the counts and popping balls up, uh, hitting – off easily fielded uh, balls and a couple of a couple of hard hit uh, things that uh, you know got got fielded easily and ah oh, that that ball Rendon hit in the first was a heartbreaker straight into the teeth of the wind and it dropped on the track oh my gosh I was so positive that was going to go out but uh, I, I think this is a question of okay a guy who's having a good season and can pitch 
and the Nats just using a bad approach against him. Um, because you, you certainly saw some hitters who were a little bit more patient, were able to draw some walks or get him into a, a better count versus it seemed like almost every time someone swung, swung early, with the exception of, of Ramos and Harper, uh, we did not get very much in the way of success. And uh, I, I think in, in some ways Ramos' home run might have almost worked against them because everyone's thinking, ambush piece, we're all going to do that. Yeah, well, <laughs> hitters aren't the only ones who can adapt. And uh, I, I think we, we saw the, the wrong end of that here today. Dave, I just continue to be impressed by Anthony Rizzo. He kind of struggled at the start of his MLB career, came up young and was kind of getting his feet under him at the major league level, but really solid baseball player right now. 328 average on the year after he went two for four today. After he doubled in a run in the fifth, he was six for ten so far in the series, two home runs and that RBI double. Really impressive first baseman and just one of several young players that Cubs have that they're really building around and building a really quality team right now. Yeah, you know, as a baseball player and as a human being, you can't get much better than Anthony Rizzo. I mean, look, here's a guy that beat cancer as a minor leaguer, um, bounced around to a couple of different organizations, and Theo Epstein, once he got the job in Chicago, went out and got him again from San Diego and um, has really proved Epstein right. I mean, here's a guy that um, just mashes the ball. Um, He runs pretty decent for first baseman. Uh, he's He's a quality defender, and... Um, and you're right, he's, he's, he's the cornerstone, really, the elder statesman of um, of the Cubs' uh, terrific prospects. I mean, you look all around the field, and, um, and the, the Cubs are loaded and, and going to be loaded for, for the next decade. I mean, you know, we talk about Bryant and Addison Russell and George Soler and, uh, you know, even Dexter Fowler, who isn't, isn't a gray beard out there in center field. And then, um, you know, they've got Kyle Schwarber in the minor leagues waiting, Jose uh, uh, Javier Baez. Um, They've just got a ton of positional talent. Um, you know, if they if they can develop a couple of pitchers the way that they're bringing uh, hitting prospects up, I mean, the, the Cubs are going to end up being the Nets' chief rivals for the next little while. So, like asking, no, I don't say I told you so, and I don't like people who do. But two of the five people on our watch list going into this season, Joe Ross and Felipe Rivero. Ross debuts today. Felipe Rivero comes on a release later for him, ends up throwing three scoreless innings. 42 pitches, really dominant out there. Another mid-90s fastball from a lefty, too. Has a nice breaking ball. Impressed me once again, and I think he's going to stick around for a little while coming out of the pen. He did issue one walk, but really another solid outing from Felipe Rivero, and he gives the Nationals a left-hander they need out there, along with Matt Thornton, two really solid, hard-throwing left-handers. Yeah, I had actually managed to completely forget that Rivero was good in the time that he went down uh, <laughs> down on the deal. I, I believe he had some some. some uh, stomach problem, and I, I just remembered that he had been up earlier, and I was thinking of sort of the parade of lefties who have gone through the bullpen and, and wondering to myself if he was any good. And then he's up there shutting them down, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, that's right, he's actually decent. So if he can uh, continue that success, and he certainly has the tools for it, uh, the, the question, of course, is will the league adapt to him? Will, the, will there be a book on uh, how, how to approach him? Uh, this is really encouraging to see uh, a, 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 such a, a big power lefty who can pitch with confidence and get out in the bullpen there because certainly this is a, an area where the Nets need some help with, uh, <laughs> well, the, the cavalcade of injuries is in all aspects of the roster, but also the bullpen. Dave, it's still, still a 3-1 game. Cubs lead going into the eighth inning. 
Danny Espinosa ground rule double to start the eighth. There's a real love-hate thing going on with Danny Espinosa in D.C. every time we write about him, which hasn't been too often, but there's a lot of anger from Nationals fans who think he's getting a little bit too hyped up now after what he's done for the last seven, two seasons. But even uh, F.P. Santangelo was saying today that it's going to be hard to sit him when Yunel Escobar returns the way Espinosa's playing right now. His defense, his bat finally coming around, but... I'd note that if he did this the last two years, they wouldn't have needed to go out and get UNL Escobar. So I'm not sure what they're going to do with him when he comes back. But Danny Espinosa continued to impress. I know we talked about him last night, but another solid game today. Yeah, you know, and it's amazing uh, how much health can do to a guy. I mean, you know, Danny Espinosa had a pretty bright future before he injured his shoulder and then injured his hand and um, tried to play through various injuries instead of uh, actually uh, getting better and getting healthy and, and um, and showing that, that, that this is a skill that he's had, that he's always had. It's just it's been masked by health. Um, you know, it, it's really kind of a shame that you figure that the, the pennant chase of 2012 is, is going to end up costing um, Ryan Zimmerman and, and Danny Espinosa, um, you know, not only at-bats, you know, when they injure themselves, but, um, but by playing through injuries, um, you know, probably – made it worse for themselves in the, in the long term. I mean, well, we can't blame Ryan Zimmerman's poor play these days on his, on his injured shoulder because theoretically the shoulder's healthy, but now he's got the, the plantar fasciitis. But, um, you know, th- those two guys really suffered by playing through the injuries, injuries they had at the end of 2012. Um, and, and we're just seeing it now with Espinosa, now that he seems to be finally healthy and, and getting some regular bats that he can contribute, um, both at bat and in the field. Okay, going back to the sixth inning, Denard Stan walks to start the inning. Still a two-one game at that two-run game at that point. Ryan Zimmerman comes up in the next at bat, grounds into a double play. Something we've seen a lot from him in the last couple of weeks. Uh, strikes out swinging with the runner on Danny Espinosa after Danny Espinosa's double in the eighth. We know he's dealing with the plantar fasciitis in his foot. It's kind of hobbled him when he's running. We've seen that in the last few days, too. Is it time for Ryan Zimmerman to take a seat for a few days and get himself healthy and sorted out at the plate, maybe give Tyler Moore a few starts at first base and let Zimmerman work things out and get back to what we're used to seeing from him? Well, I, I think at, at a minimum it, it's time for Zim not to be batting in the top half of the order. Uh, he hasn't been having a lot of success so far this season, uh, we've seen some ugly strikeouts. He's always been prone to the double play because, you know, he hits the hard, the ball hard up the middle. So you're going to – that comes with the package. But uh, he's he's looking positively Desmond-esque up there these days, speaking of Desmond. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go there. Um, and, and, and while I think uh, healthy Zim uh, – in shape, Zim is is going to be, you know, an asset in the top of the order. He should not be batting second right now. Uh, we, we, if anything, I'd, I'd put Espinosa up there. You know, as you talk about the love hate, and there's been a lot of pain uh, caused by Espinosa over the last couple of seasons, but he's getting it done this season, and I, I think he's earned his way into uh, a little bit more trust in uh, in where he bats. And, you know, with my usual caveat of all this arguing about optimizing the lineup is, is worth a good five runs over the course of the season. But still, this is important. We must fix it. 
Yeah, I have a feeling that Williams is trying to put him up there, thinking they're not going to want to put someone on in front of Harper, hoping to get Zimmerman some better pitches and get him going there, but hasn't worked so far. Dave, I saw you mention this on uh, social media, quote-unquote. Taylor Hill gives up a run in the top of the ninth inning. A leadoff walk ends up coming around to score, which I was told rarely happens, but it happens today. It hurts a little bit more when Bryce Harper is showing off some easy power to left solo home run into the wind that knocked down Rendon's, maybe to die down at that point, but he takes the second home run of the night off of Hamels out to left field, knocks Hamels out of game 4-2 at that point. But that walk and run scored in the top of the ninth really hurt the Nationals. It would have been a much different situation if it's 3-2 to two at that point and Nationals could rally, but another walk comes back to haunt the reliever. Yeah, you know, and I've already disparaged uh, him once this show, so I'll try not to do it again <laughs> here. But, uh, um, you know, Hill, Hill he's, he's a classic 4A guy, and I think Taylor Jordan probably fits that mold as well, where they can enjoy some long-term success at the AAA level, um, can come in and, and, and fill in on a very limited basis at the major league level. But, um, but when you're getting limited opportunities – um, to, to, to be able to contribute at the major league level. Um, what you need to not do is walk the leadoff guy in the top of the ninth inning in a two-run ball game. Um, you know, Hill doesn't have overpowering stuff, so he has to be um, very stingy with the base runners he allows, and um, and that's just the cardinal sin of, of any reliever to begin with, but let alone, um, you know, coming into a close game like that. And, you know, while while we're at it, um, this will be my semi-regular occasion to um, to rip Matt Williams for his bullpen usage. Um, what, why are you bringing a four A four A guy in um, in that spot anyway? I mean, shouldn't you be pitching one of your one of your quote unquote A guys um, in, a, in a two-run game to try to try to get to your bats in the bottom of the ninth inning? It's just um, you know sometimes um, sometimes good players have to play in games where you're trailing in order to win them later on. Speaking of the manager making bullpen moves, Doghouse, we'll go back to both of you guys for this one as we wrap this show up. But Joe Madden sends Hamill back out for the ninth inning with a 4-1 lead at that point. Bryce Harper's home run makes it 4-2, ends Hamill's night. Uh, They go to Hector Rondon. He issues a walk to Anthony Rendon. And Madden just goes right back out there, brings on Pedro Strope. FP Santangelo said maybe that he likes Pedro Strope's slider, which is probably a good idea with Wilson Ramos and uh, Ian Desmond, Clint Robinson coming up there. Pedro Strope gets the job done, gets a ground out from Ramos, strikes out Robinson and Desmond on pitches out of the zone. Sliders that they both end up chasing gets the win there, but Joe Madden not afraid to mix things up there, brings out his closer, wants a matchup that he likes better with Strope there and goes to him and ends up getting the save there and comes to get the 4-2 win. Yeah, the, the question I have is why did why did Madden start with uh, with Rondon in the first place? Because, uh, you know, as I understand it, he's, while ostensibly the closer, he's been struggling recently. And if you've got someone be- with better stuff and you know that the people in that part of the lineup are vulnerable to chasing sliders, why do you have Rondon out there at all? Um, so, you know, that's that, that's my question. Why, why, why didn't he just put Strope in right after uh, uh, the the Harper home run? Dave, what do you think about that there? I know uh, in spite of Davey Johnson's disparaging remarks about him, Joe Madden's liked around baseball by a lot of people who like the game. And what do you think about his maneuvering there to get the save and get the win for the Cubs? 
I thought it was pretty genius. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Joe Madden as a manager, and um, and that that time uh, today in the, in the ninth inning, Madden was 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 managing. He was managing uh, due to the conditions on the field, not any um, pre-described notion about how he's supposed to do things or um, or, or you know deference to the player. Um, he, he started off with, with, with Rondone. Rondone didn't get the job done. He went and switched up and got a guy that he knew he could get ground balls from. Um, just I, I thought it was a great move, and I thought it was a testament to um, a manager that thinks his way through the game as opposed to managing on autopilot. That's dropped a 4-2 decision to the Cubs. No win streak for the Nationals after they won one last night, but they got one more to go for the split with the Cubs tomorrow afternoon. A 4 o'clock start, I should note, because that's a little odd on a Sunday. So see if Jordan Zimmerman versus Kyle Hendricks can get the win for the Nationals, get a split of the four-game set with the Cubs. Nats Nightly sponsored by District Sports Page and FederalBaseball.com. Nats 30 and 26 after the loss today. Talk to both of you guys tomorrow. The Dream Foundation Gala is tonight, so I predict doom. Go Nats.